welcome to the PE huddle. And to remind you that it's supported by Gopher and how good they are to support the huddle and uh, try to connect with all of you out there and with health and physical education. So um, thank you for listening in and we couldn't do it without Gopher. You should have received a Gopher catalog by now, a 2023 catalog. And if you didn't, uh, you can request one at gophersport.com slash catalog. Um, and if you go there, you can also view the online digital catalog at gophersport.com slash digital. So uh, with that, uh, thank you to Gopher and thank you to today's guest, Artie Kamaya. Um, you know, Artie, I asked for a two or three sentence uh, introduction and Artie gave me a, a half a page introduction. <laughs> Not quite, but sure. uh, so he's an overachiever. But I was going to cut it down because I usually do cut them down and make them concise because you didn't hit, sit here to listen to. But this will kind of give you a flavor of Artie and and how uh, folksy and wordy he is and and uh, and and at times self-deprecating. But he's a very gifted man. Say so, what? <laughs> yeah. Artie Kamaya has held a wide variety of jobs and titles over his career. First of all, he was Mr. Kamaya, elementary physical education teacher. Then he was demoted into administration and was Artie Kamaya, physical education consultant for the North Carolina Department of Public Instruction. Then he was demoted again to the chief consultant for K-12 Healthful Living for the same state agency. In 2001, he left to work with Wake County Public Schools as the Senior Administrator for Health and PE. In 2005, he retired from public service, having put in enough time to earn his 30-year pin. From 2005 to 2018, he worked for Great Activities Publishing Company. Finally, after messing everything up, no, I didn't pause there on purpose. Yeah, I did. Finally, after messing everything up, and those are his words, certainly not mine, to the best of his ability, he became the executive director of North Carolina Shape, where he gets to work with some of the most amazing K-12 health and physical education teachers. Having said all that, welcome, Artie. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate it. I, uh, I want you people out there listening to to go through this with me and understand that I want to hear both the professional and personal side of Artie. He has a lot of wisdom and he has a lot of, of stories to sh share, but he knows a lot about our profession and it's a wonderful time for us to share a few thoughts together. So Artie, why don't we warm you up a bit and get those vocal cords loosened up. Um, as you see it, how do you identify great teaching? It's not hard. I mean, you could just, you could walk into a person's gym and just feel it. You could look around. If it's bright, airy, welcoming, cheerful, you've already set the stage. But there, there are three things that I typically look for. And that's, I want to see a teacher who's patient and kind and knowledgeable. So when I go into a gym, as far as the, the characteristics that I like to see, and it doesn't matter to me if you're teaching middle school, high school, or elementary. I wanna see a teacher who's patient, who's kind, and is knowledgeable, knows all about the skills, how to break them down and how to teach them, has enough equipment 
So every student is physically active for as much as possible and really knows the end product. We want all kids to be safe, healthy, and physically active. We want them to be independent movers. So that's what I look for. Yeah, well, that's a good thing to look for. And I, th I think you said a mouthful when you started. You said you yeah. can walk into any gym and, and feel it and see it. And, it, yeah. you know, there was a study because I spent my career supervising student teachers and master teachers. And, uh, you know, when you walk into a gym, they want you to stay. And, and, and of course, if it didn't go quite the way they want, they tell you that's the worst lesson and the worst class <laughs> they've ever had. Just wait till the next one, please. Yeah. But to be honest with you, there was a study, uh, I believe it came out of Harvard uh, College uh, School of Education, where they said you can walk in within five minutes, you can know whether you're watching a master teacher or not. Yeah. It doesn't take watching the whole lesson. So. Yeah. You're yeah. dead right. You can walk into that area and you know when things are where they should be and and kids are on task and enjoying themselves and, and everybody is under control. So um, and, and I like that you, you know, you, you identify with the characteristics of elementary and secondary too often in this business. We talk about the difference. Well, you know, in high school, that won't work or in elementary. This won't work or we're all different. It's totally different. The characteristics of good teaching work at both levels, and it, it doesn't matter. If you're a great teacher, you, I've always said if you're a great teacher, you probably can teach any age. Yeah. Um, whatever. Now, yeah. you know, uh, along that line, Artie, there's real concern about getting students uh, and young people to enter our profession. Um, right. it, it's it's a tough go right now. There aren't many places that train teachers anymore, number one, and take it seriously. Sometimes it's an afterthought. Or maybe they add one faculty member to a college of education and say, teach a PE class. Right. Um, but how do we recruit young people into our profession? That's a good question. I've thought about it for 40 years. There has to be a one-on-one -on -one connection. There really has to be that one-on-one -on -one connection. And it starts, in my mind, in kindergarten. If you have a fantastic, caring, and personable physical education teacher in kindergarten, elementary school, same thing in middle school and high school, if you can get that going early, I think we're gonna be able to attract more quality people into our profession. And nothing against coaching. I mean, I was a coach. You were a coach. We're all, we all are athletic-based. We like being physically active. But you have to be a teacher first. Whenever I taught, I knew I had three different roles. I could be a teacher first today. I could be a physical education teacher first. Or I could be a coach first. And I chose to be a teacher for a teacher there for every student. And some people say, well, Artie, you were a coach for every student. I would say, yeah, you're right. I was a coach for every student, not just the ones that were athletically gifted. Because, you know, although I did athletics, I was not gifted. I did it, but I wasn't the top of my sport, which was gymnastics. I was about an average gymnast, but I, I just, I loved it. I loved sports. 
doing gymnastics, learning more about myself and, and my limitations and my strengths and not so strengths. It's, it's, it's really difficult for me to put my words, my thinking into words about the importance of what a physical education teacher actually does, because it's so important. We need to have the most passionate individuals there. And, and you've seen them, you've seen them at, you know, at, at your university. Yeah, uh, I, I certainly uh, agree with a lot of that. You know, I, I work with a lot of teachers who have taught 20 years or more. Yeah. And sometimes as they age and they fatigue, they become cynical. And they say, you know, right. education doesn't care. Students aren't what they used to be. Things aren't the same. And I always say to them, how are you ever going to expect us to get new people into the profession if you teach kids like that? And they leave thinking, I don't like PE. I had a teacher who didn't care, who was watching videos and just rolled out the ball. Right. Yeah. You know, so that you hit the nail on the head with being a good role model for that. Um, I, I think that's terribly important. The other thing I tell them, is that you know if you're cynical and you don't do a good job if the school can they won't refill your position and that's one more pe teacher down the drain and right. one less pe teacher and our profession i'm sorry to say is continuing to diminish in size there's fewer pe teachers half the pe teachers there were 20 years ago so yeah. you know it's terribly important um, that practicing teachers take seriously the role of trying to recruit people into our profession. I just think right. it's huge. Yeah, one of, the, one of the better programs that I've seen actually has taken place here in Wake County in Raleigh, North Carolina. They have a, an elective class for 10th, 11th, and 12th grade students. It's called PEPI, P-E-P-I, Physical Education Pupil Instructors. And during the first nine weeks, they'll train these teens these 16 17 18 year old students uh in the role of being an elementary pe teacher then they'll ship them out to schools and they'll actually teach under the supervision of the physical education teacher and or the classroom teacher. it's great it's a wonderful program and i wish we had a program like this in every high school every high school in the country needs a program like this well, let me ask you some personal questions about being executive director of North Carolina Shape. Okay. And, and you know, that's the nice thing of me being the uh, master of ceremonies here. I can change directions whenever I want. Um, but now I'm going to take you into that uh, executive director's job. And, and tell us a little bit what an executive director does. And you always talk about it being somewhat rewarding. Um, yeah. Tell us about that. Well, if you ever get the opportunity to become executive director of a board, don't. <laughs> I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because it's hard. Because you have 18, 19, 20 bosses. Every member on that board, you need to respect and you need to view him or her as your boss. Which they are, because they get to hire and fire. Now, saying all that, the reality is I love it because you get to network, you get to use 
all of your history and all of your knowledge to bring about change. And in my case, it's the state of North Carolina to bring about change in the state of North Carolina. We have some phenomenal elementary, middle school and high school physical education teachers, high school teachers, coaches. It's, it's, it's a dream job for me, but it would drive other people nuts, crazy. Um, I just love working with the young educators and, and the not so young educators that are still highly motivated, like, like you had mentioned. We get the cream of the crop. Uh, in Arizona, your Arizona Shape Association, they get the cream of the crop. They get the folks that still want to be teachers. You know, you don't have to be a teacher. You get to be a teacher. And that's the type of person I get to work with. It's, it's phenomenal, Bob. Pretty amazing. Yeah. It, it is. Unfortunately, we only get about 10% of the people into professional organizations. That's and, true. and that, that, you know, that's always bothered me to no end because you hit the nail on the head. The ones that really care and the ones that are live, they join and they want to do good for others. And right. they do do good for others. I mean, a lot of people are riding their backs, you yeah. know, to, uh, to the uh, profession and improvement of the profession. But, um, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a tough thing, and and uh, have you found a way to get teachers into the professional organization? Right, and it's hard. It's hard because our millennials are the 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 age group from 22 to 32. It's a tough nut to crack. They're not joiners of things. They're not joiners of associations, groups. They they're very independent. They're like cats. Cats like to be independent. Now, when you and I were uh, in the profession, we're more like dogs. We're pack animals. We love being with other dogs, but they're cats. It's harder. Um, again, you have to have that personal connection. You've got to almost invite your friends to join, just like you and I. I mean, it was my PE supervisor that asked me to come to our first state, my first state convention. This is back, this was a long time ago, very long time ago. And I've never been the same because when you're around motivated people, your attitude changes and your goals change and your direction changes. It's, I don't know, I wouldn't be the person I am now if it wasn't for my state organization, NC Shape. You know, I always beat this drum because I think it's important in teaching as well as professional organizations probably, yeah. but they oftentimes, they, and, and I'm talking about introverts versus extroverts. Right. And as a PE teacher, you know, we have a tendency to reward the extroverts. They win the race, we cheer them on, we clap for them, they join athletics, they get all the, you know, the applause and the acclaim there. But we don't do much for the introverts in our classes, uh, oftentimes yeah. to make it a place for them. And we also, I would say, in our professional organizations are oftentimes led by outspoken people who don't look at the introverts and give them the assignments that may be more attuned to them uh, as people. And instead, you know, it's got to be all out front and recruiting people in. A lot of them would like to do all those quiet jobs behind the scenes right. and ponder things. So 
Um, you know, I, I, how do you feel about uh, what teachers can do for introverts in their classes, Marty? Well, you're looking at one. <laughs> so are you. Yeah. Well, we, well, here we have, we have two introverts, you and me. I like, I like to, to look at an organization or situation. I look and absorb and I try to find the crack where I can make the difference. I walked away from my first state convention, Bob. I mean, I, there was not a place for me. And it was sad. Uh, again, this is way back when uh, I paid for a substitute. I paid all my dues and I, I walked away. I just felt alienated. The following year, I have this rule for me. You've got to try something at least three times, at least three times. Don't shut it down because the first, the first um, experience you had was a negative one. So I went back the following year and I had a better experience. And I started asking other people, why do you go to the state convention? One was in Charlotte. That was the one I walked away from. One was in Asheville, North Carolina. And then I started getting more and more involved. If you don't give, you won't get. If you don't give of yourself, you just won't get. Um, you have to have you have to have jobs that introverts like. I like being behind the scenes. I don't like being up front. I I will be up front. I have to for my job, and and you have to be up front when you're teaching, especially teaching elementary physical education. You've got to be. You've got to forget you're an introvert, and remember to extrovert. So it's, and you know, it's hard. It's, you know, extroverting is hard for we introverts. I don't, it drains my battery. I'm, I'm totally dead at the end of the day. And I just always, that's a, that's a nice comment on it. And I, I think it, it's always good to remember that in your class, probably around half, anywhere from 40 to 60% of your class are introverts and the other are extroverts. And it, yeah. it, you know, it can vary either way. So if you're a teacher, you know, you wanna make sure you're, I always say kids can stand some activities for a short period of time. In other words, a unit that maybe is two weeks, if you say to them, yeah, I know you don't like this one, you know, this doesn't float your boat, but we've got one coming next time. That'll be good for you. These kids will stay alive and are able to tolerate that. But if everything is team games and extroverted and and mm. the the gifted excel and and they fall behind, oftentimes that's that's a tough go for them to like PE. And one of the reasons, right. you know, when they get a chance to make a decision, they drop out. I so. didn't I didn't like I didn't like PE growing up. I didn't because I was overweight, I was slow and uncoordinated. And this is elementary. This is like fourth, fifth, sixth grade elementary school. Um, however, when I went to junior high school in seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, my body changed. Uh, my body changed, and I found out that I was very good in gymnastics. I I started to gain upper body strength, which I didn't have when I was in elementary school, and it, it just blew me away. And of course, I lagged self-confidence right because i wasn't confident in elementary school then all of a sudden now my body's changing and people are looking at me and i'm able to run a little bit more quickly and 
and uh, for longer distances and get up on the rings and do an iron cross. I mean, that, this is phenomenal how your body changes, but your mindset doesn't. And that's why I've always said, try to be kind, try to be kind and understanding and passionate, but be knowledgeable as well. Cause if you don't know how to break down a skill, um, what yeah. were we talking about, Bob? I've already forgot. Uh, no, no, you're 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 there. Uh, I, I'll just follow up on your business of being a gymnast. That's about the farthest thing in the world I was. Uh, in fact, I had a, a gymnastics class at, at Washington State University. Uh, a great instructor in the gymnastics class, and he said, "Oh man," he said, "If you had to pass this class, you'd never be a teacher." So he said, "I'm going to pass you." <laughs> so that tells you how much ability I had. And you're talking an iron cross. This is as good as it gets with me right here, holding those arms out. So that, the gymnastics was not my cup of tea. I was a team game guy. And right. so uh, it's funny, well, that, but it shows that, you how different funny. we are. That's funny. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty incredible. Uh, for me, my weak link was swimming, aquatics. I, I didn't do very well there. Um, but on land, I did okay. <laughs> the water, not so okay. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Uh, that, that's nice to hear. Well, uh, let, let's talk about schools a little bit. And, and, and I, I'm going to just give sure. a couple things here. Um, you know, beginning teachers come in and a recent study showed that 46% of them drop out after two years of teaching. Wow. So we're we're killing them, folks. We, we don't we don't have enough people coming in as it is, and then the situation they come into is just too much for them. Yeah. Um, and you know, um, something's going on. And do you have any idea of? Uh, do you think teachers are prepared for the challenges they're going to meet when they take their first job, Artie? Heck no. Heck no. I. My first three years, Bob, they should have, I should have paid them. They shouldn't have paid me a penny because I was, uh, yeah, I didn't know how to become, or I didn't know how to be organized. I didn't know how to have that, that right attitude, the right mindset and the right self-discipline. If you, if you don't have self-discipline yourself, it's hard to give it to kids, to youth, to athletes. Um, no. No, no one, as far as I can see, is really adequately preparing folks to teach. Uh, but then teaching's hard. Teaching is very hard. It's it's a rough it's a rough it's a rough uh, profession to be in. Yeah, and sometimes it's almost like uh, pretend teaching when you're in college. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, you're not getting the real things of of problems of dealing with the kids and the issues they give you and you think oh yeah these kids are all going to step up and say tell me all about it teach I'm sitting I'll just listen to everything you say yeah. uh, and it doesn't quite work that way if you were going to make uh, let, let's go back to school physical education and I don't care what level you pick you can talk about any level you want but if you were going to make a, a, a major change or two in physical education what would you like to see I'd like to First of all, I like to change student teaching. I think that student teaching placement is so important. Uh, 
my experience personally was horrible. It was like what not to do. <laughs> uh, what not to do because the, the person was not organized. Um, kids sat out and they didn't care. So if we could get find good cooperating teachers in good situations to kind of show what is possible, I think that'll be very helpful. But then also at the same time, realistic. I mean, it's, you know, if you're, if you're teaching in an inner city setting, a low well school district, it's tough. It's very tough and it's overwhelming. And I think it can crush your spirit unless you're really prepared. Uh, I remember I was uh, teaching at this elementary school in inner city Raleigh and um, I had to take a student home. He had hurt himself and, and fortunately we could walk to his apartment and he, he was a latchkey kid, right? Latchkey kid. He opened up uh, the door to his apartment. I looked at, it was very sparsely, not a lot of furniture. And there was a half eaten loaf of bread and a jar of peanut butter. And that was, that was what they had. I mean, it was, you know, you, you get a five pound sack of potatoes, peanut butter, a head of cabbage and macaroni and cheese, you know, five or six for a dollar. That's, that's your sustenance for the week. It's, it's hard. It's really hard. It's hard, but there are some real heroes teaching in the inner city. There are some really good ones. Um, what you, the thing that drives teachers out of teaching is their ability to handle students and deal with the same emotional and behavioral problems every day. It isn't the lack yeah. of equipment. It isn't, yeah, the scheduling, those are problems you rail against because you can't walk into the principal's office and say, teaching would be great if I didn't have any students. So, All right. you know, you, you go in and you blame it on more equipment or the schedule or yeah. duty or whatever. You take all these things. But the truth of the matter is why university, when I was at the university, I was at ASU for 32 years and I always uh, very strong armedly would only send student teachers to great master teachers. And the reason we put out so many great teachers during that era was not because so much of what I taught them at ASU, but because when they left ASU, they saw it reinforced by a master teacher and a yeah. master teacher that knew how to handle kids. And I'll say again, very few teachers lose their job because they don't know how to do all the beanbag activities you talk about in your book, but yeah. um, they, they lose their job because they don't know how to deal with kids. Yeah. In, a, in a caring but firm manner. Right. And, yeah. and that's why they lose their job. And when a principal walks into your gym and the kids are bouncing off the wall, your job's in trouble because right. they're not going to stand yeah. for that. So, mm -hmm. you know, why universities allow student teachers to pick where they're going to go and to go to any, they don't know who a good master teacher is. No. And, and I've always said, you know, a poor master teacher can do everything that these kids learned in three and a half years at, at the university. And on the other hand, I was fair enough to say, you know, a good master teacher can probably undo all the things I did wrong with them when they were <laughs> at ASU. So it, it, it cuts both directions. But 
you you are right on the mark with master teachers i think right and I, and you've got to you've got to do stuff you can if you have if you're working with a 150 dollar a year annual budget and you know that's definitely not enough you've got to make your own equipment you need to you need to learn how to how to become a tradesman you need to learn how to become a carpenter make your own paddles you need to learn how to you know use recycled pantyhose to make uh you know rackets it and because that's what we had to do is we had to do all that and i don't i don't know if these young teachers really understand that they just no. want to get by with what they have no classroom teachers don't do that I agree. I, I, I agree. And there, Artie, there are so many small funds out there that you can get here. You get them from the Fiesta Bowl. They give $1,000 grants for a one page just asking for what you want. And they randomly pick them out and give these $2,000 grants. The NFL today, play yeah. uh, play 60, they give $5,000 yeah. grants. And, and, and my wife's schools, uh, she's a supervisor of about 80 elementary PE teachers. Right. She's got all kinds of those grants. Uh, right. I mean, there are places to get them. And, you know, teachers complain that money comes out of their pocket in some cases, and that's true. But on the other hand, you know, I had the uh, air conditioning guy come by here uh, and, and look at my air conditioners before the summer starts. And boy, he had the nicest tool set up that he was dragging around and everything. And I said, wow, man, you know, I like tools and I like workshops and that. And I looked at those and I said, wow, you know, does your company furnish you with all that? And he looked at me like I was crazy. He says, I've got, before I could get the job, I had to invest $4,000 in my tools. Right. So, you know, everybody sometimes to get started has to pay some. But there, there are lots of places out there that want to help teachers with money. And money is not what I mean, keeps. I agree. I definitely agree. And, and yeah. money isn't what keeps us from being great teachers. In right. fact, there was a study where they paid teachers twice what they were making. And do you think they all become great teachers? The answer is no. The great ones stayed great, and the other ones stayed where they were. So money doesn't motivate you to be good any more than it motivates you to write a book or anything else. Uh, it, it comes from that intrinsic motivator inside you while we're on books I, you know you shared Artie's in the middle of writing a, a book about himself and I, I was reading it he said will you take a look at it and read it and I said yeah that I would and so I sat down and I'm paging through it and paging through it pretty soon I say okay you can't fool me any longer this is all he didn't tell me this but I said this is Artie's career it yeah. is it is a great read, and uh, and I think if you get a chance to to read it, you would enjoy it because it's going to show you the re the things that really are worthwhile in teaching. But it's also going to show you the things that make you cry. It's going to show the importance of a great custodian. It's going to show you how the secretary saves your bacon. There are all kinds of things that are in this and it, it's a wonderful job. Artie, tell us a little bit about it. When's that book coming out? Um, it's coming out in about two months, Bob. We're still working on it. We're still working on uh, on the inside, doing the, the layout and the typesetting. Uh, we have the cover, um, working with a fine graphic artist, got the cover already. 
the name of the book is called The Coach and the Kids. The Coach and the Kids. And if you asked me 20 years ago, I would have said the teacher and the kids. But I'm learning. I've, I'm, I'm still learning. Uh, I'm, I'm 72 and I'm still learning that the best teachers are great coaches. And especially at the elementary school level, if you could say to yourself, I'm true to all my kids, I want to be the coach for all my kids. And in my case, I was I was saying I was working at three different schools, working with about 900 K-5 students a week, one day a week for 30 minutes. And um, you can do it. You can be the coach for all your kids if that's I'm, your goal. I'm going to trumpet and I'm going to tell you, but great coaches are also great teachers. Yes. So it, it, yes. that thing works both directions. It, right. You know, let, let's face it, just good people who care and have the traits you talked about at the beginning. Right. That's, that's how it gets done. And I don't care whether you call them coaches or teachers. They're people who relate to others, care about them. And and pull them to a higher, you know, I've always said you're not yeah. a teacher until you get kids to achieve things they didn't think they could achieve. That's, that's true. To me, that's a teacher. If I can bring people to a higher level than what they came to me and make yeah. them achieve things they didn't think they could, then I've taught. Right. If you walk yeah. into my class and you walk out the class the same with a smile on your face, but you don't know any yeah. more than when you walked in, then I'm not a teacher. No. I'm an entertainer. Right, right. And so I, I think, Artie, we've got a couple questions here. Um, here again, I get to change directions, but from our audience. Um, and, and I think we've answered these, but it, they might, it might uh, tweak something in you. It says, what do you both feel are necessary, in caps, necessary components of an elementary PE program? Well, we're certainly not going to tell you all of them, but we'll let Artie tell you few that he thinks are necessary components. You've got to have a passionate educator in front of the students. You, that's, that's number one. If you don't, if you're not able to teach with passion, get out, find another job, become a doctor, become a lawyer, become a brain surgeon. You've got to have passion. You've got to be able to interact with your students. Um, and then there's other things like having enough equipment and things like that and being knowledgeable. Uh, but um, passion is my number one driver. Well, passion is a, obviously I don't have any passion, but um, <laughs> too bad. <laughs> people that know me know I have plenty of passion. And passion, I always say, is a double-edged sword. Yep, it, it, as, as passionate as you can be, you can also be passionate when people anger you or upset you or push you. And so you have to learn to work with that passion. But boy, I, I would agree with everything you said. There is no substitute for passion. You you got to be in the morning when you get up, you got to be excited about heading to work and seeing those kids and thinking about what you can do. You got to hop out of that bed, get tired, whatever. But when you walk on that floor, hey, here I am. And, <laughs> and I'm yeah. going to do a job. So I would agree with you on passion totally. Um, and and uh, I, I think... 
I think you have to have a plan. Now, Artie and I might divert some here, but I think a curriculum is important. I, I'm yeah. not an entertainer, I'm an educator. And you wouldn't tell a math teacher, well, if you feel like teaching uh, uh, fractions, go ahead. And you know, if you see, if you saw yesterday a guy teaching a nice math lesson on multiplication, well, bring it in and teach that tomorrow. And you know, then when you come in and say, well, I'm tired today, I think I'll just play a game that has one ball so I don't have to move out any equipment in that. Right. I yeah. think you need a curriculum, and, and Artie, you mentioned self-discipline. I, I think the curriculum helped me in my career to have the self-discipline to know where I'm going and what right. I want to accomplish with my kids. And so I I would say those those personal traits of passion and caring and, and and deep commitment to your students, no question those are at the top of my list, but I also need a curriculum because I need a roadmap for where I'm going. And right. so it's always why I've been a curriculum guy and yeah. believe in writing curriculum. But I don't care how great a curriculum I write, a poor teacher can make it look lousy. <laughs> You're right. Can make it look like I actually know what I'm talking about. So, yeah. you know, we need them both. I got another question here. What makes a master teacher a master teacher? In other words, what is what does a master teacher look like to you, Artie? Well, they go they go way far and beyond. You know, when I when I when I think of a uh, out out of a scale from one to ten, right? Master teachers to me. They're eight, nine, or tens, and they're only that way because they've never stopped learning. When I first came into the profession, I was about a three, <laughs> barely, barely a three, but I never stopped learning. And every day I tried to get a little bit better. And um, all this came about when, when one person was observing my teaching and she said, Artie, I can't wait to come back next year because you're going to be so much better. <laughs> and she wasn't being mean to me. No, but that's I, just the reality. The reality was I was going to become so much better. She didn't look at it negatively. That was just the reality because teaching stuff is very hard. So, yeah, you know, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Try to think about where you're going to be next year. Get excited about it and surround yourself with other peoples with pe peoples. Surround yourself with other people with passion. That's it. That's, a, that's an important statement, Artie. That, that, yeah. That's sure true. Don't hang out with the cynics. Go right. hang out with the people who are alive and enjoy teaching. Right. And you see a smile on their face and they're getting after. Hang out with those people because that's going to rub off on you. Right. Yeah, like you. And yeah. you could be an introvert like us. Yep. It'll turn out okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I'm going to ask this, but it, it, we've covered it some, but I, I just want to, some teachers go through burnout already and, and yep. they become tired and cynical. How, I know you've helped tons of teachers in your career and, and you, you, you don't walk around telling us about it, but how, how do you help those people who are burned out when you see, you know, a bunch of cynical teachers? How, 
How do you give me your thoughts on that? Well, we've all known people that are burnt out. They're cynical. They're they're looking for a role model that they haven't seen before. They're looking for a role model that they haven't seen before. And a lot of times they find that role model at their state convention or a workshop. Um, I I went to a Saturday workshop here and uh, it was actually at Duke University. And there was this guy I'd never met before in my life, didn't know anything about him. His name was Lee Osbrook. Lee Osbrook was a master teacher. And you know, Lee, because I can see you smiling. Yeah, he, he just turned me on to teaching. You got to be, if you're, if you've never been turned on, find the person to turn you on. You got to find that switch. Someone who wants to talk about teaching some, okay? You can't always, you, you know, you, if you want to learn how to be a good teacher, you need to be around a good teacher. Right. And you need to, particularly in your formative years, you need to model that person because yeah. I've seen it even in faculties at high school faculties and middle school faculties where there's a number of PE teachers. And if you have one or two people who are uplifting, it pretty much keeps the department afloat. But I've also seen the opposite. If there's one or two that are negative and cynical, it pulls down everybody and it right. makes it a very tough place to teach. So you know, hang out with the people who are uplifting. And there are plenty right. of those teachers. There are some really great teachers out there and you need to look for them and you and right. you need to pick their brain. You need to ask them questions. You know, what do I do in this situation? Right. Uh, wow, you know, my principal was came in and was a little unhappy with things. You know, right. do you know what, what I did wrong or, and, and talk to them. There's, there's a lot of wisdom out there and we get so busy that we pass each other right. or we get in the faculty room where you're not going to talk about any of your problems in the faculty room. You're just going to hear yep. teachers talking about kids and it usually yeah. aren't positive things about kids. So uh, I always right. avoided the faculty room just because they were complaining. Did you have Johnny last year? Oh my goodness, that kid is a mess. And, and you know, now you're thinking, wow, I kind of liked him, but maybe there's something I'm missing here. Right, right. Uh, there are two reasons why I didn't go to the faculty lounge uh, when I was teaching. Number one, it was not smoke-free. I'm not sure how people, you know, realize that there was at one time you could smoke yeah. it, and and the faculty lounge was the place to smoke. So it wasn't smoke-free, and it was very negative, very, very. Like you said, I mean, it's just, it's just people would talk and just complain and grouse. Um, I know you didn't become an educator to fail. I did not become a physical education teacher to fail. But we are failing our teachers. I don't know what the secret is, Bob. Um, you had mentioned statistically that the, the majority of our teachers, teachers in general, after five years, there's a high percentage that drop out, just like we have students that drop out. They're they're in tenth grade, eleventh grade, twelfth grade. You know, high percentage of kids that drop out. You've got to make a personal connection and a personal commitment. You know, you you went you went to school for four years, college. 
maybe two years of, of graduate school. You, you've committed six years of your life to becoming a great teacher. Don't fail yourself. Please don't fail yourself. Find a way to succeed. I know it's hard. We all know it's hard. Tough job. Tough job, but then every job is tough in, in, yes. in one way or another. You know, it's like people, you hear people and you say, wow, they've had it hard. Well, you know what? I've learned through life, every person has had it hard. There right. are hard times for every human being, and we've all go through times at different stages of our life. And life is Life is hard at times, but it's also terribly rewarding. I look at teaching as sort of life. I go through life and there are days when it's a great day and I feel so good about it. And, and I go through days where the tears roll out of my eyes and I'm sad yeah. and I've lost somebody I've loved or something didn't go right or I let somebody down. I, there, are, there are all kinds of things that happen in our lives and life is hard. So. Right. You know, everybody working has a hard part to their job and people sometimes leave teaching. And I've had lots of these people who leave teaching and say, I'm going to a different job. And they get out in that job and they found out it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. And there was some hard spots in it. So, yes, teaching's hard, but so are a lot of jobs in life. And we certainly, certainly don't have the worst working conditions. I could guarantee you if we started right now, we could list 15 jobs that are a whole lot worse than teaching. You're right. And so it's important that you focus on the good and the bad and, and take it with life and think of your own life. You, you have times where, you know, there's that mini victory and you're just alive and you feel so good about it. And shoot, it might be two days later and all of a sudden somebody cracks you and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this happened. So. Well, we're, we're, we're emotional creatures. We are ruled by our emotions and yes. we could go up, 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 and we can go down, down, down. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, being, being a human is a tough job. It's yeah. Very yeah tough. No, that's fair. Fair thought. I like that. that that's good. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, I think that's well said. Speaking of a thought you shared with me and I really identified, you said, and I'm quoting you now, yeah. No one gets to enjoy the number of successful years in our field without mentors, role models, and good luck. Well, tell us a little bit about role models and mentors and good luck. Well, my I could give you the name of the person that can fill all three of those, being a mentor, a role model, and good luck. And his name was Larry McDonald. And Mac, unfortunately, has passed away. Um, I had the opportunity to work with him at the North Carolina Department of Public Construction for about 10 years. And he was hired as the section chief, uh, the chief consultant, and I was his helper. And that gentleman taught me more about teaching and life and being positive. You know, he, he, you know what his favorite day was? Monday. His favorite day was Monday. <laughs> and none of this, you know, TGIF, nuh-uh, TGIM, thank God it's Monday. And you get to teach, Bob. You don't have to teach, you get to teach. I mean, just, just a phenomenal person to be around, always positive. Now, he didn't have his, 
he had his up days and down days. I mean, he, uh, I knew him uh, and we all have those days, but he was probably one of the most positive individuals I've had the opportunity to, to work with. And even though he was my boss, that second week on the job, he said, Artie, you do not work for me. You work with me. Imagine a boss telling you that, Bob. Imagine your department chair saying, you don't work for me, you work with me. That's that's a free, that's an amazing thing. It's interesting because I had a, uh, I had a similar uh, principal and superintendent and their philosophy was the same thing and that got me started in my teaching career. And that, that yeah. it's funny how a little word here and there will have such a huge impact on you. I, I had, uh, for me, uh, the good luck was probably, uh, and good fortune, and role model is probably Vic Dower, my first, yes, yes. My first yeah. physical educa education instructor at Washington State University. And I went in there and graduated in, in elementary PE, and then I took a job in the Pullman schools. Uh, right. And Vic got a grant, and he worked with me, and he I started writing and and uh, started working on lesson plans and he said you know you really can write <laughs> well i didn't think i could write a lick okay i had no confidence at all and then when he took me on as a co-author early in my career and that's been you know 50 some years ago yeah um you know he took me on and i would write up something and oh you know i'd, I'd kind of ease it over to him and let, show it to him you know and yeah. And worried about whether, and he'd look at it and he'd say, "Man, that, that's a good idea. I hadn't thought about that." And he made me believe I was okay and that I had something to offer. And I think all of us need that kind of support. And and one of the one of the sadder things, and I, I wished I could say this when, and I did when I was 40 years old. But, you know, we're not very good in our society about listening to older people and using them as mentors. Right. That always bothers me a little bit. Now that I'm so damn old, you you think I'm talking in my own self-interest. Well, I'm not because I've, I'm not out there running around mentoring a bunch of people. But, but truthfully, uh, our society doesn't care for age too much. Um, there are other Asian cultures that, uh, and a lot of other cultures besides them that believe in, in, you know, the older generation and we don't do that. But I would encourage you if you can find a, a you know a experienced teacher who's really got a positive attitude like Larry had or Vic yep. had, boy, right. you know, saddle up to them, get close to them, and and listen to them because they got a lot to tell you. Right, and they have the time. They have the time to listen to you, and and, and to kind of regurgitate all that thinking to make it. It's like a, a mother bird, right? A mother bird eating all the worms and stuff and regurgitating it to feed her young, to make it manageable and edible. Not a lot of people can do that, but you had Vic, I had Mac, other people have other people. Um, I guess that's what we need. We need more Vicks and more Macs. Yeah, well, we could use those, that's for sure. Um, Artie, or see the future for a minute, be a fortune teller for a minute. Who knows whether you're going to be wrong or right. You and I won't be around to see it. 
Right. But uh, for a few minutes, uh, where is this profession headed? Where are we going to be in 20, 30, 40 years? I'm, I'm thinking we're all, I think it's all of our knowledge is going to come from the internet. I, I just really, really, I'm, I'm banking on all the millennials, the people like the Joey Fights, the Nathan Horns. Uh, um, I'm blanking on his name, Ben Landers from South Carolina. These people, Jared Robinson, that have a presence on the internet, they're bloggers. They, uh, they have their own little um, gifts or well, gifts. They have their own little talents and they're sharing them. And a lot of the sharing is free. I wish I had PE Central when I was teaching. I wish I had Twitter when I was teaching. I wish I had all this. And that shows you how old I was when I first started teaching. You know, back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, we didn't have PE Central. We didn't have Twitter. We didn't have Facebook. But there's so many cool things out there right now. We got videos. If I want to know how to how to teach a dance, I have we have videos. There's no excuse. And and I think because of that, we're going to become better teachers. Um, and 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 you need to join your state association, folks. Uh, I know that you are. Those of you that have signed up for this event, you are. But you need to keep there, and you need to be a a willing um, a willing supporter of your state convention and your state association and shape America, because we won't change. We won't change the world. And I'm, and I'm about changing the world, right? I'm, I want to change physical education at the, at the state and district and national and international level, just like you have been doing, Bob. Uh, I'm so grateful. I'm grateful to have people like you. Well, still. thank you. And well, Artie, thank you so much. Um, and you, you said something about being old. You're not old. You're young at heart. And uh, oh, thank you, know, you. You you have a young point of view, and you can be just like Mac was to others. And I know you already have. I I, I can't imagine how many people you've impacted. Um, you know, it's just uh, it's a pleasure to be able to chat with you and and pick your brain a little bit and get your thoughts and. Uh, I think it was a, a wonderful hour and uh, keep doing what you're doing. And, uh, right uh, you know, let's take a look at that book when it comes out and all the best to you, Artie. Thank you so much for sharing with us. I greatly appreciate it. Well, thank you, Bob. You appreciate bet. it. Okay. Bye-bye.